Welcome back to our 10th discography review podcast where we'll be reviewing a band from my hometown of Toronto, Triumph. Uh, So the target of endless jokes within my social circle in my teens and 20s, Triumph were a band that elicited equal amounts of accolades and guffaws from the public. Uh, Their mix of sickly sweet vocals, emotionally building musical crescendos, and endless fight the good fight lyrical posturing either sending you running or reaching for a hanky. (laughs) So as usual, we'll be reviewing in chronological order and uh, we'll be interspersing whole and edited tracks along the way to help build the storyline here. Um, All the while, we'll keep it under one hour. Uh, And remember, when things get nasty, (laughs) this is coming from a headbanger's perspective. I'm not a classic rock or hair metal fan. All right, the Triumph recording uh, history starts in 1976 with their self-titled debut, uh, later released as In the Beginning uh, in 1995 when it was uh, re-released. Anyway, at uh, drums and rowdy vocals, we have Gil Moore, Michael Levine on bass and keys, and of course, Rick Emmett on guitars and unbelievably high-pitched vocals. (laughs) And uh, at producer's chair, Doug Hill. So definitely, it was obvious that uh, that the band was trying to follow in the footsteps of their hometown heroes, Rush, uh, and uh, they were trying to make it big hit by it no by no other means than by utilizing a big splashy stage show. Uh, this early on, cue the stage made of walls of light bulbs. Uh, so taking uh, into consideration the timeline we're talking about here, 1976. The self-titled debut, it can be considered competent, but surely blocky and unremarkable even for the time. Uh, so there's a mixture of early metal, Alice Cooperish hard rock, and the overly dramatic blinding light show brings progressive early sticks in, into the equation. Uh, competent, but not world-beating. I always laugh at the delusional lyrics here claiming to play for 15,000 people at sold-out shows. Uh, uh, the, the truth uh, really being much more of a bar band status this early on. Uh, so yeah, the music definitely didn't live up to the image they were trying to convey, but it, hey, it was 1976, there wasn't that much metal competition out there at the time. Uh, so it was, defi- uh, it was deemed sufficiently rockin' uh, to at least be worthy of our time. So highlights, I would say the party hardy rockers 24 hours a day and what's another day of rock and roll. Uh, along with the staccato rift early metal of Street Fighting Man. Uh, none groundbreaking, but uh, certainly enjoyable. Uh, however, I gotta say that the best track, in my opinion, is the metal rock and roll rave up, Let Me Get Next to You, sounding like metal rendezvous era Crocus that would follow some four years later. I get this album a 6.5.
A year later, in 1977, the band issues Rock and Roll Machine, otherwise known as Rock and Roll Latrine by my friends. <laughs> uh, so Levine takes over the producer's chair, and indeed the sound is more upskilled um, than the debut, uh, but the writing is still patchwork. On the bright side, you've got the title track, which was easily the best song of the band's career up to that point. Uh, it confidently mixes early metal with a rock and roll swivel hip, uh, highlighted by the absolutely ripping extended uh, guitar solo from Emmett, a really good track. Other deep album uh, tracks include the tough hard rock of Takes Time. It has a good more vocal there. A uh, little Texas Shaker, which sports a good guitar solo. And New York City Streets Part 2 that utilizes a great riff. On the negative side, though, there's the lame New York Streets Part 1, a tearjerker of a track complete with female backing vocals and a jazz lead guitar solo, wildly inappropriate for a hard rock uh, album. Then there's the multi-suited, overindulgent nine-minute The City, where Triumph uh, seems to be trying to build up their cred by mirroring Rush's complex prog rock. It just doesn't work here. Uh, the truth being that early on, Triumph was just simply a, a simple hard rock band. So the overall, the result, another competent but meandering release, uh, but the inclusion of the title track provided a potential path to future success for the band, from a metalhead's perspective anyway. I give this a 6.5. Yeah. 
So two years later, in 1979, the band issues Just a Game, otherwise known as Just a Shame in my social circles. So 1979 was a year where heavy metal was being reinvigorated by the new wave of British heavy metal, so uh, headbangers were hoping Triumph would read the tea leaves and go more towards the harder fare as per the title track of their previous album. The band, however, provide a mixed bag of an album yet again, though. Uh, There's a number of radio-friendly hard rock tracks, some classic rock, a metal banger, an acoustic instrumental, a jazz ditty, and even an outright blues rock track, further confusing and frustrating uh, us listeners. Uh, So the band still can't seem to make up their mind about what type of band they are. Uh, Regardless, the highlights, I would say, is the storming American Girls, the uh, radio-friendly Lay It On The Line, uh, the pompous sticks like Hold On, and the classic rock opener Moving On. I give this again a 6.5.
1980 Triumph Issues Progressions of Power, otherwise known as Progressions of Putridness in my circles. Uh, so onwards, the confused ones stumble once again, mixing metal, hard rock, classic rock, blues, and jazz. That said, there's no questioning, though, that this was the heaviest of the Triumph albums to date, uh, rocking relatively hard over extended periods. But the boys just can't help themselves, uh, forcing us to labor through another putrid jazz ditty. Uh, Take My Heart should have come with a warning sticker. And yet another instrumental showcase for Emmett's, uh, Emmett to show off his guitar skills. So yeah, Progressions was the best of the band's uh, albums to date, but it was now clear that Triumph weren't ever going to evolve into a straight-up metal band. Uh, the inclusion of classic and hard rock was just too ingrained in their DNA. So highlights for this headbanger, uh, the two shoot out the lights, metal pounders, and opener, I Live for the Weekend and Tear the Roof Off. Uh, also the vaguely Spanish rocking Hard Road and the minor hit I Can Survive, which follows the same soft, hard, lay-it-on-the-line song structure. I give this one a 7.
do-gooders are back in action one year later in 1981 with Allied Forces, nicknamed Allied Farces. And, and here we have it, unquestionably the band's best album, regardless of whether you're coming at it from a classic rock, hard rock, or metalhead perspective. Uh, so many of the band's best songs can be found here, making this the album most likely to be in the record collections where only one Triumph al album is held. So the highlights, um, the biggest hits, and most convincing stay positive ditties in Magic Power and Fight the Good Fight, uh, the latter being another one of those soft, hard builders the band specializes in. Uh, there's also the staccato metal uh, title track and the straight-up rock and roll of Hot Time in This City. <laughs> Shame on the lame lyrics of the latter one, though. Uh, but really, this album is about its consistency, every track at least palatable. Uh, the first and only Triumph record where you don't have to skip tracks. They weren't bad after all. <laughs> I give this an 8.
1982, the band issues Never Surrender. And it sounds like the band is tired here. Not surprising given the album a year and significant touring treadmill the band had been on since 1976. Uh, this has displayed how fully three of the 10 tracks are throwaway instrumental suites dotted throughout. Songs seemingly not easy to come by this time out. Uh, not only is this disappointing after the strong allied forces, uh, but it actually represents a very significant drop in overall quality, even compared to progressions of power. Basically, it sounds phoned in. Uh, that said, though, uh, it hit number 26 on the U.S. Billboard charts on the strength of three singles. The proggy sticks like A World of Fantasy, the OK but Unremarkable All the Way, and the title track, which is dead similar to Fight the Good Fight in sentiment and structure from the previous album. So uh, a more significant downturn, uh, downturn, though, in their Canadian home base. Uh, none of the singles charting and the album only reaching number 29, some 16 spots lower than the previous release. And not one metal track amongst the lot here. The band content to stick mostly in bland, mid-tempo, hard rock mode most of the time, uh, akin to Lady or Nazareth, when they're not uh, shamelessly writing for the radio. I give this album a six.
What's a band to do in the mid-80s if they've hit a potential lull in popularity? Why, they puff up their hair and add more keyboards, of course. Something Triumph succumbs to two years later in 1984 with Thunder 7, codenamed Blunder 7. Uh, to be fair, though, uh, they only layer on the keyboards shamelessly on two obvious attempts at radio airplay here. Uh, elsewhere, they rely on their usual mix of acoustic and electric guitar passages to power the tracks. And uh, side one ain't half bad, uh, with the guilty pleasure twosome of opener Spellbound and minor hit Follow Your Heart, with its usual triumph positive messaging, along with Cool Down, a Led Zeppelin-inspired rocker. Uh, that said, Rock Out, Roll On is kind of weak with its subpar DOS plotting hard rock. Then it's over to the loosely themed suite of tracks on side two revolving around the concept of time, and there's a definite dive in quality. Uh, here you'll get two throwaway instrumentals and even an a cappella track. Great idea, guys. Uh, leaving, with, uh, leaving you with three average rockers to make up the balance. If you own this album in plastic format, side one will show some wear and tear, while side two will uh, seem untouched in comparison never to see the light of day again. Uh, but don't underestimate the power of a single to generate record sales as the album went gold in the US and only dipped a few spots to number 37 on the Canadian charts. I'd only give this a six.
I'll come clean, uh, fully off the bandwagon by this point. I never heard the final three albums of the Triumph discography until now preparing for this uh, podcast. But onwards we must go, and two years later in 1986, the band issued The Sport of Kings. Uh, The initial two tracks definitely having the stink of commercial desperation, obviously made for the radio with somebody's out there meeting only middling success in the U.S., Uh, Elsewhere, the band issue forth lame, light rock song constructs with intermittent atypical keyboards showing up where guitar guitar swaths should and used to be. (laughs) There's even a putrid cover of the outright AOR Just One Night, which had me laughing outright while watching the made-for-MTV video. It's must-see TV. Check that one out. Uh, So basically, we're witnessing the erasure of what little hard rock cred the band had left. It's all about big courses here. The band and record company seemingly shouting, to hell with our old school hard rock fans, we need another hit, damn it. It's kind of sad, actually. Uh, So there's only uh, one halfway decent track here, that being the late on side to play with fire. Too little too late, though, I'm afraid, as the album plummeted to number 108 on the U.S. Billboard charts signifying the death of the commercial viability of the band from there on out. I'd give this a 3 out of 10. Uh, Here's a short snippet of Just One Night to give you an example of what this thing sounds like. I've always wondered what would be like Just you and me, baby, nothing else We meet again, both of us by circumstance Undeterred by bad press, plummeting sales, and the fact they didn't have the looks to pull off the hair metal look, uh, Triumph stumbles on, issuing surveillance one year later in 1987. So what do they do now? Why bring in outside writers, of course, and the result is wholly expected. Sounding disjointed and desperate, they're basically throwing everything against the wall to see if anything sticks. It doesn't. So doing their best late Nazareth impression, there's keyboard-driven AOR pap, some radio rock, acoustic dreamscapes, uh, big drums, lots of choir background singing, and frustratingly infrequent forays into hard rock. The whole second half is simply unlistenable in its trite keyboard fayness. So confused and soulless comes to mind when imbibing this uh, attempt at commercial acceptability. Filed with heart, Cheap Trick and Def Leppard as bands who overtly sold themselves out to the record company. Uh, The stink is so bad here that I'd be forced to say that this is even worse than the previous anally probed The Sport of Kings. It's truly horrible. Uh, To prove my point, listen to a snippet of Rock You Down. It's just embarrassing.
So that was uh, the album Surveillance. I forgot to give a mark there. I'll give it a 2 out of 10. Uh, so a much-needed five-year break was in order before we were to be subjected to another Triumph album, 1992's Edge of Excess, the band's last, thankfully. Uh, seems Rick Emmett was the only one with the wherewithal to read the tea leaves, abandoning uh, ship here for a solo career, and in his stead steps Phil X on guitar is leaving more the lone vocalist. Uh, so nice to hear the return of guitars to the fore, and Phil X lead solos are impressive. Uh, it's definitely in the commercial hard rock vein, but it, at least it moves the band away from the shameless AOR dreck of the last two albums. Uh, that said, the writing on the whole ain't that inspired, uh, other than the troublemaker, uh, fast-paced rocker in the Ted Nugent vein. Uh, easily the best track on the, of the last three albums. Uh, the effort's here, but the songs just aren't that dynamic or, or memorable. It's too plain Jane, cookie-cutter rock to make an impression. And predictably, the album was universally ignored, being too little to overcome the death blow to the band's reputation from the previous two travesties. Time to shut down the blinding light show. Give this a five. Yeah. 
So there you have it, the Triumph discography reviewed in under one hour. Uh, so thanks for listening, and remember to check in next Monday for our next new release Monday podcast. And as well, check out our website, www.themightydecibel.com, and our Patreon page. Have a great one.